leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Good morning. I'm Steve Allen. Coming up here on LBC, you can hear some of my best bits of my early breakfast show this week. I'm here every weekday from 4 till 6.30 and on Sunday from 5 till 7. And here's some of what caught my attention this week. Prince William says, I'll avoid politics like my grandmother. Only because I don't think he knows anything about politics. I mean, it's not a case of avoiding it. It's a case of no point in talking about something because they'll, they'll twist you in knots over it. It's not really worth it. Uh, and Jamie wants to know, as the Queen has two birthdays, does that make her 180 in Queenie years? I don't know, actually. I still can't work out why there are two birthdays. She gets two lots of cards. Two lots of presents. Do you think she actually, actually gets presents from the family? Do you think Charles goes, oh, God, I don't know what to get her. Uh, William, go around Poundland, have a quick look, see if there's anything in there, you know, Ma would like, and just and see what happens. I don't know. I don't know what you'd buy for her. You can hardly go and buy an antique, can you? You're not going to be buying an antique because she's got loads of antiques. She seems to work with quite a few antiques. And, um, I mean, what, what would you buy? I'm told, I'm told they like silly presents. You know, like bars of soap or bath bombs or something like that. That silly present, because they've got everything else. Everything else is handed down, isn't it? So they don't need to go out to antique shows or car boot sales. Just think. Just think. Prince William and Harry have never had the delights of going to a car boot sale. How can they possibly have in the real world if you've never had the delight of going around buying somebody else's rubbish? I mean, admittedly, all their rubbish is inherited rubbish, and it's probably terribly expensive. But, you know, why, why would they not deny themselves that? They, they could go in disguise. Harry could go around. They'd stick a, stick a beanie hat on, pair of sunglasses. Nobody'd know it was him. Nobody'd know. He could just go around there and go, and go and buy something, couldn't they? And then sort of take it back and go, look what I've just bought. It's so fantastic. It's a Toby jug. Looks like Dad. <laughs> Here he is. He's the busiest man in the world. This is a 67-year-old. He's, uh, he's everything, actually. He is absolutely everything. His name is uh, Billy. Uh, Billy's on this little island where he is, Billy Muir. He's got all... He, he got an MBE for services to the community. He, he is the community. He is. He's, um, he's up early every day to fit in all his jobs. He has been the part-time lighthouse keeper at Britain's tallest lighthouse for 46 years. He walks 500 tourists up its 176 steps each year. Keeps me fit. Uh, he does here. He's a sheep farmer. He's the fireman. He's a shop assistant. He's the air traffic controller. He does holiday letting. He's got a yarn company. He's a contractor. And he's the airport taxi as well. <laughs> he's got all these jobs. Seriously, he's got all these jobs. And Prince William struggles with one part-time helicopter pilot. Oh, dear me. It's hilarious. You always find it's the elderly people, isn't it, who put in the most hours. Look at the Queen. She puts in the most hours out of anybody. Today she will do a... She'll probably do a walkabout. She'll be surrounded by, a, I'm assuming, a number of uh, members of the royal family who just sort of muscle in on it. So you'll have to put up probably with Prince Andrew's daughters and uh, probably either William or Harry will pitch up to go walk round just to sort of reflect on the glory that the, uh, that the Queen gets when she walks around because everybody likes her. Everybody wants to see the... Nobody's interested in seeing the rest of the family. We only want to see the Queen. Steve Allen on LBC. Oh, look, there's a lovely picture of the boys. Why does William always look deeply embarrassed? You know, one minute trying to be an adult, the next minute, uh, play around with lightsabers, you know, uh, do lightsabers. Uh, Harry just looks, oh, God, the brother's here again. Try to muscle in on it. OK, this is William giving Chewbacca a hug. He has no idea who's inside that suit. He's just decided to go and hug a perfect stranger. And Chewbacca's having a little chat to him. I can't, 
can't can't have been much. That's the picture they wanted. Ginger and ginger. They wanted the picture there. They weren't interested in William. William, get out the way. Get out the way. Okay, this is a this is a droid. Okay, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But they uh, they like it, don't they? They love stuff like that. And uh, these these are uh, then there's some actors being interviewed. So they get to meet Harry and William. Uh, so John uh, Boyega was there, and I think that's somebody called Daisy. And she kind of looks like she's the OK Yar come direct from Rodine, uh, actress in a film, and it's all very exciting. And then they're trying to explain to William, uh, none of this is real, OK? We don't actually fly... Mal- oh, William's fascinated. Ooh, toys. Fantastic. You know, Daddy should have bought one of these for the nursery years ago. And then they get Harry to climb into a Millennium Falcon, and he sits there. It's just, it's just a blooming photo opportunity, isn't it? They haven't actually had to do anything. They sit there and they go, it's a film set, dear. This is green screen behind you. In other words, we can superimpose... I'd have been happier if they'd gone down to, um, to watch The Jungle Book. And Shere Khan had eaten them. You know, that'd be far more entertaining. <laughs> they think so. Shere Khan leaps out of the screen. And, uh, but I want to hear the conversations, but you're not allowed to hear the conversations that the royal family have with people. It's like whenever the, the, the Queen's there, you know, you want to hear her saying things like, oh, mm, uh, and that's about as far as she goes, because when we, oh, look, Chewbacca gets his hair done. It's quite nice, isn't it? I used to have a rug that colour years ago. They were called acrylic rugs. I used to sell them. And you shake them up. And they look very nice. Some people used to, accept, used to get static off the things. And so if you sort of lay on it at the wrong time of the day, there'd be sparks flying off it. I used to have brine nylon sheets years ago. They were advertised on the television at a place called Brentford Nylons. And Alan Freeman, the, uh, the DJ, used to advertise Brentford Nylons, who were based in Hounslow. Surprisingly, not not uh, Brentford, but they used to sell brine nylon sheets, and the downside of them was that you got static off them. So, in other words, if you sort of scooted across the bed sheets, there was a chance you could get sparks and set your nighty on fire. Not that I had a nighty, but if I was going to wear a nighty, it could go on fire. And so, people used to say you mustn't have brine nylon sheets. And then I thought it would be quite nice to have satin sheets. I always fancied the idea of satin sheets. I thought, what's the point of that? Oh God, they've given Harry a gun. Everybody down. Everybody down. Harry's got a gun. Harry's got a gun. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's odd, isn't it, really? They don't seem to bother to dress up, do they? He, he thinks he's being clever. In fact, William just, uh, doesn't William look like the geeky one? I always remember, do you remember that picture when they all went off to Canada? And the Canadian government, Gene will remember this, decided to give the boys two jackets from a local football team and baseball caps. And William and Harry, who were so out of touch with modern youth, thought that that was like wicked and down with the kids. And they did this thing with their thumbs going to... It just looked really embarrassing, really. And it's, of course, it's gone on since then because they're not actually in the real world. I think they, they desperately want to be, but, uh, but they can't be. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Years ago, says Phil Vickery, I was trained by one of the Queen's pastry chefs. She did love thin chocolate eclairs. My mother... You, used to make chocolate eclairs and uh, and little cream slices. The recipe said made, I think, eight. She could make 30. All of her cakes were in miniature. We had miniature cakes from an early age. So our little chocolate eclairs were little tiny things. I mean, seriously, no bigger than... What's that? About three inches. And... Uh, couldn't be four. And, um, and so everything was small. Everything was everything was in miniature. Rock cakes was her speciality, though. She could make rock cakes, which I used to love. And every time I used to go down there, she'd do two things. She'd go, you must take some rock cakes back, Stephen. And so she'd pack them all up. I mean, she was very, she was very good like that, very clever and, uh, and very caring. 
But that's why we always say that about our mums, don't we? But it's true. And uh, and then she'd say, and you must take some stewed rhubarb home as well. So I used to go home with all this frozen stewed rhubarb, which I came to absolutely adore, but I can't eat it now because it's full of sugar. Also, I do like, says Phil, co-op raspberry Swiss roll. I know it's cheap and cheerful. Don't people take Swiss rolls, though, now? Mars and Spencer's do one as well. Others are available. And uh, there's, I think it's £2 for two. I mean, you can't even make them for this price. And then people make them and cover them in chocolate and make make choo-choo trains, don't they? And things like that with Cadbury's buttons on. Other buttons are available. And stuff like that. And, and that you make sort of... You can probably make kiddies cakes. Uh, Prince William says, I'm not work shy. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, and uh, also, as the Queen's official poet snubs her birthday to write an ode to gas meters, send these PC poet laureates to the tower, says Christopher Hart. Absolutely. I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, also, what do we have here? Um... Uh, Victoria Wood, who died the other day, refused the chance to write her memoirs. No, thank you, she said. If I ever did write one, I'd want it to be really, really good. Not. And then I did this and I did that and then I met Julie Walters. <laughs> that was it. I thought they were inseparable. I can understand that Julie Walters is uh, is really suffering at the moment. They were so close. Everything that they did, you could tell that they just had a bonding. They loved the work. They loved the comedy. They just uh, It just seemed to work. It just seemed to work, and so she's now been been taken away, which is not so good. Uh, patients who want doctor's appointments could get a chemist or a therapist instead. Because pharmacies know, don't you? Go into a pharmacy, and I'll say, oh, I've got this, I've got that, you know, and this rash and that rash, and they recommend something, and I buy it. And that's how it works. It means, I mean, otherwise I could spend my entire time going to the doctor's surgery and wasting the doctor's time. And they don't really have enough time to see people like me all the time. So you just have to sort of be... Some people are very good at turning up at the doctor's surgery and just sort of sitting there for days. Waitrose, too expensive, says Phil, and too heavy. Yes, it's got to be light, hasn't it? There's something I used to like... My mother used to do a trifle with with um, with a Swiss roll, and she'd cut it up into pieces and put it at the bottom. And then they brought out these sponge fingers. I used to love sponge fingers. And then she put those in the bottom of the trifle. But I remember, I remember Swiss roll, and I can remember watching on the television where they made it on one of these Bake Off programs, and they were explaining to them how to make a Swiss roll. And the problem with doing Swiss roll is it's not so much making the Swiss roll; it's rolling the blasted thing so that it doesn't crack. And that's that's the art trip, because whenever you buy them in the shop, they're obviously made very, 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 very sort of light. So you can roll them. But the ones they made on the television were quite heavy. Phil, Phil reckons that the M&S one is the same. Too heavy. So it's, see, I thought they were quite nice, actually. So it's obviously the lightness of the sponge. And theirs are obviously all made on machines, aren't they? You're not going to find people hand-rolling a Swiss roll. Well, I don't think so, anyway. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC. With Steve Allen. Somebody said that, I mean, as opposed to the woman from Bake Off doing it, it should have been the WI. To be honest with you, it looks like it's about to fall over, doesn't it, really? And the Queen's going, oh, nice, what is it? It's a cake. Oh, lovely. <laughs> she doesn't eat it. I mean, it's very, it's very pretty. But, uh, I mean, somebody said it looked a bit circus-like. I thought it looked a bit naff, actually. Most people are saying that, you know, they said the cake for the Queen was hideous. When you consider what she actually could have had made and what, you know, what art is going on out there in the world of cakes... I mean, this cake was just decidedly dull. It really was. You know, very sweet. But it, it just looked like some sort of... It just looked like three round cakes, one shoved on top of the other one. And when you look at the sugar work that they do nowadays... I mean, and you look, I mean you look at this put, the Queen must have gone, is it a hat? You know, not... not because, I mean, to be honest with you, it could have been a hat. It was, it was really the most boring cake I'd ever seen. I would already be rude to the, to the poor woman. I'm sure she made her, her best effort. But if that's the best she can come up with for the Queen for her 90th birthday... It's ridiculous. 
<laughs> oh, so Andy's written in. I like I like Andy. They, they always put all the, the thing. He says, oi, oi, because he's a bit common. Leave out the abuse of uh, Nadia Hussein. I struggle. No, there's no abuse of her. We're talking about how naff the cake is. He says, I struggle not to burn toast. So he's a real thicko. And she had to single-handedly bake a cake for the Queen. She won the Bake Off programme, idiot. Why do you get so many stupid people? Actually, it's very funny. I, I was reading a, a tweet the other day from uh, James O'Brien. And he's obviously being targeted by the internet trolls, he says, but they're, they're too stupid to realise that, they, that they, they don't actually get through. They just they disappear. So they're writing them, and, uh, and you just assume that they're still writing. But they're actually in a, in a completely separate department, which isn't accessed by anybody now. So they can write day after day after day. It's only to satisfy their own loneliness, I suspect. He said he, he, said he thought about doing a book on them. To sort of say, this is how stupid some of these people are, which is, you know, the racists and the... We found Roy, didn't we, the other day, the racist from uh, from Kent, who didn't quite understand. I assumed he was a bit old and dim. He didn't quite understand the fact that he was a racist. But uh, as I say, people who, who are racist always go, I'm not racist, but... And that's the kind of thing, you know, I don't mind black people, but, yes, yeah, some of my best friends are gay, some of my best friends are Jewish, and you think, oh, dear, you've kind of dug your own grave here. This cake is even worse the more I look at it. It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish cake. And the Queen's sort of looking at it like, ew, <laughs> which I can understand it. They should have had somebody proper in to bake the cake. Whose idea was that? The crowd of people sitting behind her broke into a rendition of Happy Birthday. I bet she was sick to death of hearing school kids singing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Birthday to you. Birthday, your majesty. A birthday to you. And they all stood there. They managed to sort of drag them all out, didn't they, for all the news programmes. I think they... Who do they do? Matt Barbette, I think, had to introduce some kids the other day. I wasn't sure who was more embarrassed, the kids for singing it or Matt Barbette for having to introduce the thing. It does make me laugh. Anyway, are you well? It's Friday. We love Friday. Oh, another cake. How many cakes did the Queen get? She doesn't eat cake. She doesn't eat cake. Prin- Princess Anne's there. Or was that last year? Steve yeah. Allen on LBC. Sophie Wessex is very pretty, isn't she? And the Queen's outfits I always like. But the Queen doesn't eat cake, OK? So, uh, so Nadia Hussein, very sweet of you, dear, to make an effort, but it was a chronically awful cake. That was, and I don't know what's in it. Uh, she appeared on the one show. Oh, God, honestly, what a dreary programme that is. Blimey, honestly. You're listening to the best of Steve Allen. I'll have loads more from my early breakfast shows this week after this. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Good morning, I'm Steve Allen. Here's another one of the best bits from my early breakfast show this week. Stig Abel was, uh, was some lady phone up, she was very upset, very upset, about the royal family. She wanted him hung. Well, of course, that's incorrect. It's hanged, OK? You can't hung somebody or hang somebody. They're hanged, OK? Made it, made it a lot easier. And it's up on the LBC website, and he was asking uh, if the institution, the royal family, should be dissolved when the Queen dies, which is what we said last week. And so passionate monarchist Diana... Uh, Diana? God, she's not calling from the other side, is she, do you think? That's a bit worried. Called in furious that Stig would even suggest such a thing. I'm getting very... She must be quite old, don't you think? I mean, was she old? We don't know. Uh, I'm getting very angry. I'm going to have to take one of my blood pressure tablets if you don't change the tone of this debate, she said. You're very lucky you haven't been hung for treason, young man. I don't think that's treasonable, actually. I, I really don't think it is, but that's, that's why I question how old she was, whether or not, you know, she actually is aware of exactly, you know, what you can say about the royal family. And the answer is you can say anything you like. As long as it's legal and decent. And as we said on the programme last time, she's old. 
That we just had a listen. She's very old. Thank you. <laughs> I like Stig in that studio, and I don't quite like that actually. I hate that studio. <laughs> that studio and Steve Allen do not go together at all. But, just, but you can watch the video, which is on lbc.co.uk. Make up your own mind. But he he was quite right because we've said that the royal family. You know, when the Queen goes, that will be the end. I think of the era. And, uh, you know, but she's 90. She so, shows no sign of going. In fact, to be honest with you, people are taking bets on whether Charles goes first. I mean, seriously, it's become that silly. But it doesn't matter. You know, I know what press manipulation is. I understand exactly how it works. I understand what publicity is. I understand that they have no job for Prince Harry. So they invent jobs. Char- uh, you know, he, he's got his charity. So it's not really a proper job. It's just you turn up, shake hands and have some pictures taken, which frankly is not good enough in this day and age. And now that we've learnt that William and Kate's holiday, and that's exactly what it was, it was a jolly, a very, very jolly holiday, cost in the region about £240,000. You paid for it. You paid. They didn't pay for it. Why would they pay for it? They, they pay for it. And he's supposed to be a helicopter pilot. Well, he's an assistant helicopter pilot. And so there's not only him there, but a bodyguard flies with them as well. It's a dreadful waste of money. Dreadful waste of money. And we're looking for somebody who can do actually a day's work. Prince Andrew's daughters, as you know, are bone idle. I mean, they really don't do very much at all. I've lost track of how many holidays one of them's had. Something like 17 in a year. I mean, really, as bone idle as their mother and father. And that's acceptable. I think in the royal family, everybody like, everybody does the same thing. Everybody loves the Queen. Everybody loves Prince Philip. Even though they go, oh, of course, he's a silly old so-and-so, isn't he? And he says this and that. I think he's great. Seriously, I think he's absolutely great. He's been there at her side. He was broke. He never had anything. He was part of, you know, Greek uh, Greek royalty. He was sort of with the impoverished end of the, of the market, the impoverished end. They never had any money. So he did quite well. He's always been there for her. I don't know what their relationship is now. I mean, let's face it. I mean, if you've been there for, for that amount of time, I mean, we know they have separate bedrooms. And I think they've probably given up, you know, having baths together and things like that. They do have a swimming pool. They do have a swimming pool. And, uh, and they are cousins. Of course. Uh, but anyway, she saw him. He was blonde. He was good looking. And, uh, and it seemed to work out, didn't it? She got the news that her father had died when they were on holiday. And she comes back. And, uh, and she's done the job very well. She's had to put up with this bone idle family that she's brought into the world. I mean, they really are blooming lazy. I remember at one time, Prince Andrew landed his helicopter on the lawns of Buckingham Palace. He was a dreadful little show-off when he was younger. He's even worse now he's got older. Except now he's got no sense of what are the right friends to have and what are the wrong friends to have. A bit like the daughters, a bit like, a bit like the ex-wife as well, who turns out to have had sort of offshore stuff, wasn't it, in the Virgin Islands? I never thought I'd say that. I bet you never thought you did. Steve Allen saying Sarah Ferguson and Virgin Islands in the same sentence. But there you go. She apparently did, and and I thought, but I thought she was broke. I mean, she's managed to sponge off him for ages, hasn't she? So it's a, and I bet the, and of course, Prince Philip, as you know, absolutely loathes her. Now, whether he knows something different about her than we. No, I've got no idea. But he won't. And of course, he still controls the family, whether you think he does or he doesn't. I'm telling you, if the Queen wanted Sarah Ferguson to join them for Christmas, she would have said she's she's coming. Philip, he would have gone off in a huff. He won't. He wouldn't sit down at the same table with her. He can't stand her. I think because she's quite common. I think that's what it is. I mean, she's done her best. She's flogged every aspect of her dreary title. And, of course, the Americans love that kind of thing. But, you know, after Diana died, she then pretended that they were the best of friends. Well, I don't remember Diana ever mentioning the best of friends with Sarah Ferguson, but you can say anything you like, can't you? 
People now say about, you know, so-and-so's died, oh, my best friend. It's like David Guest's funeral. That'll be a who's who of non-entities from Z-list shows. They'll all turn up for it because it's a photo opportunity. That's what they do, the oxygen. I bet Sarah Harding will pitch up to it. She'll be there with a black veil on, I should imagine, being propped up by some ailing person who can help her through the service. Oh, she doesn't say anything during it. We're fairly OK, aren't we, really? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. So, uh, but if you do want to go onto the LBC website, do actually go and, uh, and listen to Stig being berated by somebody. I tell you, it was brilliant, though. Katie Hopkins. Did you hear her? Oh, she was very good, honestly. I love the way she winds people up. But as she says... And she's, uh, she's always quite upfront about it. And I used to hate Katie Hopkins. But now we're, we're, we're like busy mates. We've got phone number exchanges. We do texting. We do all sorts of things. We're like busy mates, you know, out for lunch, for dinner, snog. Everything. We do everything. You know, we are like like two peas in a pod. Uh, because it's, it's good. It's not an act for her. She absolutely means it. Mine's not an act. I believe everything I say on the programme. If I believe that the royal family are bone idle, I'll tell you they're bone idle. I'm not going to pussyfoot around it because it's the royal family. I didn't elect them. Nobody elected them. They're costing me a small fortune. I love the idea we've got them. Don't get me wrong. Big royalists. You won't find a bigger royalist than me. It's just the younger members are a bit bone idle. And so Katie Hopkins, I mean, she said the other day, she said, the good thing is, she said, that even the people, even the internet trolls, she said, at least I know they're listening. Of course they are, because they haven't got anything else. Internet trolls are, are saddos. They, they've got quite a few screws loose. In fact, actually, some of them don't even have screws. So that's the, that's the worrying thing, isn't it, nowadays? But she's well worth a listen on a Sunday morning. And, of course, Saturday morning... Which is, uh, which is brilliant. Steve Allen on LBC. As you pointed out, Steve, David Guest would always drop names of his celebrity friends, but, and taking it was usually on the A-list, who were no longer living, thus making it impossible to verify anything he said. Well, he did, he did manage to get to his wedding Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor, but I suspect they were probably there for Liza Minnelli. I suspect they were probably there because of the Judy Garland link. I shouldn't imagine David Guest, you know, was that sort of person. However, do you think, he says, that those on the Z list who are going to his funeral are doing the same to him as he did to us? We'll never know if they ever met him as on the A-list that David Guest would drop. How can we confirm anything now he's passed on? Maybe they've been reading that brilliant book, So You Want to Be a Celebrity, and using the opportunity to boost their profiles. Changing now my middle name to Cynical, so it's Danny Cynical Cohen. <laughs> it is true, though, isn't it? It's, I mean, once somebody dies... It's very easy to say, oh, yes, you know, I used to speak to them all the time. You know, I, I remember saying on this programme, uh, you know, after Diana died, of course, she was a regular listener to my programme on LBC. She would sometimes send a text in, you know, and uh, say, hi, Steve, still listening, D. You know, and uh, we, we corresponded like that. Now, I can sit down and give you chapter and verse on the relationship that Diana and I had. And you don't know if it's true or not. You just have to take my word that because I'm an honest person... Uh, I'm telling the truth, that she used to listen to this programme. She did used to listen to a music station, but then she changed her allegiance because she loved a bit of gossip. She loved it. She would feed me little bits of gossip about what was going on in the palace and everything else. And I, I was discreet. I was good. While she was alive, I never said a word. The moment she died, I was singing like a canary. I couldn't wait to tell you enough about my friendship with Diana. And the late Queen Mother and I, I mean, we were like two peas in a pod. She'd sometimes phone me up and in her funny little voice, like that. She'd say, tea. 
And so I'd, I'd go round there for a cup of tea and we'd have a, we'd have a fairy cake. And that was very, very interesting. And uh, we'd have a laugh about what was going on at the palace and who everybody had fallen out with and why nobody liked Sarah Ferguson and uh, why Prince Andrew was a bit of a dead weight and why his two daughters were definitely a dead weight. And then uh, Princess Edward, Prince Edward, uh, was the one who nobody thought he'd ever get married and then he married Sophie Wessex and, and that's gone really well. And we used to have a good old laugh about it. Now, I can tell you stories about the royal family till the cows come home and you can either choose to believe me or not, but every, everybody's surprising managed to believe David Guest. Although, as I say, do you know anything about him? No. What do you know about David Guest? He knew Kerry Katona. This is, somebody says to me, lay off Kerry Katona. That's always threatening, isn't it? Lay off Kerry Katona. Believe you me, she certainly doesn't enter my inner sanctum. They said she does a lot of work for charity. I would not disagree. She has done more for the cocaine business in this country than anybody else. She spoke about it to her children. She spoke about it on television. She has done more for that. In, up until then, I had no idea what it turned you into. And having seen her... And having seen the way her useless life has turned out, believe you me, I'm avoiding it like the plague. But there were lots of people in Colombia who are so grateful for Kerry for raising the profile of cocaine. Thank you so much I'm for sitting Steve down Loads your daughters at 11, early 12 and 13 were discussing after the how news. mummy had shoved half of Colombia up her nose. That was fascinating and really good parenting, I thought. So every time I see the dreary old baggage on the television, I think to myself, why don't you just go and live in Colombia? Do us all a bloody favour. I'm Steve Allen. Loads more to come from my early breakfast shows this week after the news. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. The hunt for Madeleine McCann will continue for as long as necessary. So says the police chief leading the search for the missing youngster. I didn't think they'd uh, agreed that. I thought they were scaling it down. Detective Chief Superintendent Mick Duffy insisted yesterday she could still be alive. Yeah, well, she could still be anywhere, couldn't she, really? Nine years after she vanished. And uh, obviously, to keep this going, uh, Kate and Jerry welcome the news, which comes months after the search for their daughter was scaled down. So far, it's cost £12 million on the investigation to one girl. £12 million. There are still loads of other children missing. And uh, he says there is ongoing work. There is always a possibility we will find Madeline, and we hope that we will find her alive. With, with what leads... Do we have here, DCS? What, what, what leads do we have? He says, that's what we want, the public want, and the family want. I love the way he's speaking for everybody now. I mean, I, I wasn't aware that you could speak for everybody, but he appears that he can. He said, that's why the Home Office continue to fund it. There is work that needs to be done. Well, how much longer? I mean, how much longer do you, you know, before you actually sort of give up? If she's been murdered and we have justifiable and reasonable lines of inquiry to pursue, they should be dealt with. There is a missing girl. The investigation continues. We go to the Home Office every six months. I imagine we've not completed our inquiries within six months. We will go and ask for more money. It's just a never-ending pit, isn't it, really? I mean, it really is. I don't think he's... I think he's, uh, he's in the dark on this one. I don't think he's got the faintest idea. They've taken... <coughs> excuse me. Every, every sniffer dog over there that has ever existed. They've, they've done just about everything. I mean, there is... Always a possibility, but you can't just keep pour, pouring money into it, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, we're keeping a department going here. They've scaled it right down. And the McCanns have sort of, uh, have just sort of stood back and let them get on with it. Because that's what you've got to do. There's no other way, no other way round this at all, is there? You just have to, to go with it. But I mean, how much money do you keep pouring into it? If you've actually got 12 million that's been poured in already, and they are no nearer. They've got nothing. They've got absolutely zilch. You know, you have to ask yourself, don't you? Steve Allen on LBC. I'm actually going through a bit of a, bit of a renaissance period in my life. I'm actually quite worried that I'm liking too many people. 
Except Jeremy Kyle and screechy Sally Jacks, you know. I mean, I'm apart from that, I'm fairly, I'm fairly good with things. But I don't have anybody sort of on my hit list. I used to have years ago quite a number of people on it. I think I'm mellowing. I think I've got to that stage now where I'm becoming benevolent. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? We don't like to have that. You know, people, people say, oh, no, no, we quite like it when you're bitchy. I said, I've never been bitchy. I've only ever told the truth. It might sound like being bitchy, but I promise you it is, it is telling the truth. So when you see some old uh, whoop, like Charlotte Crosby, uh, in the papers going, oh, I've done lesbianism, I've done... Don't mention the word Peter Andre to me. Not at this time of the morning. Come on, it's 18 minutes to five. I mean, do, do the old bloke a favour, for God's sake. That's Peter Andre, by the way. I mean, Peter Talented Andre. I think that's what we call him in future. Actually, I quite like that idea. Peter Talented Andre. Because he's marvellous, isn't he? He just doesn't realise that we're all pointing the finger and laughing at him. And that, and that wife, who's the doctor. And uh, there's a picture of Pete. How long do you think he spends doing his hair... He's mobbed by an army of exciting fan, excited fans. Wait for this. Peter Andre was... He was mobbed as he launched his new perfume range in... Reading! Reading! I ask you, out of all the places... Not London, Reading. Oh, dear God in her... It's come to that, has it, Peetsykins? Do you think he's Botoxed? I'm looking at the hair. That's, uh, that, that's definitely been primped and preened. You know, he comes with his own little sort of army of adoring people. Oh, dear, wait a minute. Let's have a look at some of the people there. Oh, dear. Oh, look, there's Petey signing a picture of it. There's somebody in a wheelchair. That's always popular for a picture opportunity, isn't it? Who looks like she's sponsored by M&M's, which I love. And uh, let's have a look. It's called Forever Young. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Forever Young. Let's have a look at some of the people there. Oh, my God, fathers. My God, bring out your lame. Bring out your... God, they're all out there, aren't they? It didn't look like an army. Pete, a, a bit of a, a bit of a, an advice here. Try not to smile. It's, it shows the ageing process, OK? And uh, Pete is just flogging a, a cheap perfume. And apparently the reason that he's now happy is because... Emily's coming to his... Sorry. Emily's coming to his life. It's just so exciting, isn't it? Emily with the monochrome face. The one look, the standard look, and that dated hairstyle. And um, as a woman got a birthday video from Peter Andre as well. Oh, that lovely. She's 100. That'll kill her off if nothing else will. Uh, Peter's new fragrances are Breeze, a floral scent with notes of jasmine, while Scarlet relies on hints of blackcurrant. What? A floral scent with notes of jasmine. So, in other words, it's a flower shop and a, and a fruit and veg. And hints of blackcurrant. What a pile of doggy-doos. Good grief, honestly. It's just Pete trying to find another aspect of his life to flog. You watch. I mean, the last one was remained in Poundland. I was going in there. Look, you've got all his fans. My God, they're a bit scary, the fans, aren't they? And they've got pictures of Pete coming out of the pool with his top off. They look very scary, Peter. But that's the sort of people you attract. And uh, they say that many of his loyal band of followers, and there's not that many of them, really. It is Reading, though. Uh, also bought other merchandise in the hope of an autograph. Oh, don't worry, he'll stand there and, and sign anything. He's very good like that. And even though it, the queues at the Oracle Shopping Centre were huge, everybody managed to keep a smile on their face. Oh, I don't know. It was quite nice, actually. Just a bit scary when you see them like that. And Pete will go down there. So um, they say he was ambushed. No, he wants them to buy his uh, his perfume. Because Pete's obviously, you know, made that at home. Perhaps him and Emily have sort of, you know, got crates of blackcurrants and trod them in over the, you know, the weeks and the years. And then sort of put it out into a perfume. Imagine having a perfume that spells of blackcurrants. God, you're going to be attracting bees like there's no tomorrow, aren't you? Doesn't sound very promising. But anyway, good luck for that launch in Reading. The uh, Millionaire's Playground of Reading. OK. Anybody come from Reading? Oh, a friend of mine lives in Reading, actually. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <coughs> I quite like Reading. 
I like the sign that says you're now leaving it better, but, you know, Reading's quite nice. It's sort of down the M4. But in fact, if you miss it, just keep going and you end up in Wales. Lesser of two evils, isn't it, really? This is LBC with Steve Allen. Here we go, the reality star turned fitness guru. If you buy into this guff, you're a bigger fool than I thought you were. And here she is, Charlotte Crosby, Britain's most unlikely... I mean, really, this is just absolute rubbish. It's a book, and uh, she says here, this is, I mean, this is how you sell a diet. I passed wind, wet the bed, had lesbian sex on television, but my only regret is being so fat. So what they do is they, they put them on these really fast diets very quickly so that they can flog a book. And so they go, and you too can look like her. Well, if you look at the picture of her, you can tell that she's holding her hand across her amply fat stomach. You could see that this is not a flat stomach. If this is airbrushing, it's gone horribly wrong. And all they've come up with is the same old stuff. Goat's cheese frittata. Chicken and prawn stir-fry. Chicken and tomato. Are the people of this country so mad that they can't actually come up with something that isn't fattening? Oriental spicy chicken broth. You know, uh, Charlotte's mantras. Like you're going to take any notice of somebody who has laid claim to all the things I've just laid before you. If my mates can do it, I can do it too. If I want a piece of cheese, I'll have a piece of cheese. Then use a rude word. A hangover is no excuse not to exercise. It's just garbage. Utter garbage. It really is. It's embarrassing, really. I feel I feel so sorry that they're, they're trying to flog something, too. But as I say, there's probably the same people who like, you know, going out and buying Jordan's books. We were going through this website. No, it wasn't. It was an app the other day on how much people are worth. And it had, it had Jordan down as 40 million. I thought, she's got nowhere near 40 million. Why would she have 40 million? And a friend of mine said, because all her books have been bestsellers. I said, she wouldn't earn very much for that. She never wrote anything. She's never written anything in her life. And most of her stuff doesn't do very well. You know, if she was a multi-millionaire, do you think she'd still be having to appear on the television? <sighs> Let me tell you, she needs to be on there. Steve Allen on LBC. This one about Nicole Scherzinger. I think it absolutely says everything why she split with Lewis Hamilton. And the truth of the matter is that time is passing uh, poor old Nicole Scherzinger by. So she was going out with this tennis bloke called Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov was uh, much younger than her, and you so many people are nowadays, and uh, she's 37, he was much younger, he's 13 years her, her junior, and she started making nesting noises, she wants to settle down and have babies, well he doesn't, why would he want to, why would he want to settle down with anybody at all, it's a little bit like poor old Christina Rianoff, isn't it, I mean there if ever you wanted to see a desperate person, there is a desperate person, and uh, the former pussycat doll, who's dated quite a number of people, and obviously each time she starts making, oh, I want baby, you know, they start going, oh, I don't think so. They don't want to get caught up in that one. You'll be paying for the, for the rest of your life. So, anyway, so they, they've, uh, they've split. She's dumped her toy boy because he doesn't want to settle down. What a nasty piece of work she is. Nobody wants to settle down with you, Nicole. Why would you want to be saddled with you? Good God, I should imagine you're very high maintenance. And with a child as well, this, pr- could, this could prove fairly expensive. I'm sure you find somebody somewhere... But at the moment, you know, the ones you're going out with, they just want to go, guess who I bedded last week? I need Nicole Scherzinger. Woo! And people go, crikey. And then Liam's going round going, guess who I'm sleeping with? And we go, who? Who? And he goes, Cheryl. You go, wow, what's that like? Oh, OK. You know, not a lot you could say about it. It isn't really... I mean, I hope she's a bit more animated in the bedroom department than she is on the stage. Uh, so anyway, so poor old Nicole, I'm only guessing. I mean, she might be an absolute whiz on top of the wardrobe. Who knows? You know, I think... What was it... What was it that Joan Rivers used to say? She said, a woman needs to have a trick pelvis. 
to actually get away with sort of, you know, having fantastic sex in the bedroom. I always thought healthy bank account helps, you know, and I don't like people making noises. You know, you do get people making noises. I, I, I happened uh, upon chance a few weeks back to discover something called Babe Station. I don't know if you've ever seen Babe Station on the television. Dear God in heaven, how far round the U-Bend have we gone? What a bunch of tacky old tarts on there. It was embarrassing. They're on the phone, but not saying anything. So they're sort of, they're whispering sweet nothings. At some point in the proceedings, they go topless. I mean, seriously, this is actually accessible on a normal television. I don't have access to sort of porn channels. Well, as far as I know, I don't. And, um, and then they sort of sit there and they're sort of mouthing, love you, phone me, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, can they see me? I hope they can't see me. And so they're sort of lying on this bed and I'm thinking, so if you phone them, who do you get through to? Probably get through to their mothers, I should imagine. Because she's far too busy mouthing, sort of, you know, love you. Ooh, really like you. And I'm looking at them thinking, who in their right mind would ever pay premium rates for this garbage? And apparently loads of people, loads of people pay for that kind of thing. It's remarkable, isn't it? I'd much rather watch the um, the roulette programmes. They're far more entertaining. Far more entertaining. Because at some point now, they start showing you how much money is going on. It's like thousands of pounds. Every time they go for a spin of the wheel, not surprised these programmes generate money. And then they show you the list of all the, the people on the left-hand side, you know, £3.20, you know, £4, £9. You think, you've been sitting there all night and you've got nine quid. You might as well give up now, mind you, really. This is Steve Allen. You're listening to some of the highlights of my early breakfast shows this week. Steve Allen on LBC. So this morning, as indeed every morning goes, uh, I have a car booked. I pay for it. It's not cheap, let me tell you. And uh, every morning they send you a nice little text message with your car is on the way. They tell you the number of the car. Uh, they tell you, the, they don't tell you the driver's name, not that I really care what the driver's name is, but they send you a car, they tell you where it is, and you click on a map, and it shows you where the car is in relation to you. So that's nice, and it tells you how many minutes they are away. By the way, this is not an Uber car, OK, just in case you write in and go, it's an Uber it's not an Uber car. OK, this is supposed to be somebody who's a professional driver, professional bloody idiot, idiot this morning. Excuse my language, using the word idiot, I realise a bit early. But anyway, so I'm sort of sitting there, and, uh, and they go, your car's on the way. And he's 11 minutes away, and then it gets to two minutes away. Now, bearing in mind, I am the only one on the street. Me and a few dust piles, and that's about it. And so I see on the little map, because it's moving pictures, we've moved into technology, and I see there it is, and it turns around the corner, and it heads for me, and he goes to pull in, and then he speeds off again. Had I managed to get the door open, I would have been killed. It was as simple as that. And so off he poodles up the road. He's got no idea what he's looking for. This is the idiot to end all idiots. So he goes up the road, and I stand there thinking, either you're blind, or you really are as stupid as I think you are. Because surely, on his little map, it says you have reached your destination. He's looking for a number. He obviously can't find it. So he keeps going, and he goes off, and I watch his his lights disappear into the distance. So I stand there thinking... This is just ridiculous. This is just amateur time. Anyway, then he turns the car round and he comes back down the other side of the street. And, and I'm standing there and I couldn't be more obvious. I'm at the place. I'm at the pickup. I'm the only person there. They always, you know, dumbly ask you your name and you go, well, who else is out here? Who are you looking for? And so anyway, so he, he gets level with me and he doesn't see me. This man is blind. I suddenly realise he's got to be blind. Anyway, the car goes past me, gets to the traffic lights, and toddles off in another direction. So he's been passed twice. Then he turns round and comes back, 
and he's about to pull it, and then he goes off again. Three times, this idiot. How this man ever got a licence, because he quite clearly can't see anything. He must be blind as a bat. There's nobody out there. I'm the only person, and at my at my designated pickup address, it comes up on his map. Either he can't read, or he's, he's completely stupid. So anyway, then he parks further up the road. So he obviously can't see anything. He's blind, this man. And so, in the end, I sort of walk up there. Well, I've had enough by this time. I've been standing there for ten minutes while he goes backwards and forwards and doesn't know where he's going. I said, three times you passed me. Oh, well, the pickup's not till... I said, three times you went past me. He was quite clearly so dumb, he had no idea. I said, I'm going to make an official complaint about you. You shouldn't be driving a car. Seriously, you're not fit for purpose. And so, he goes, ah, well, you know, you should have said something. I said, said something. I shouted at you first time when you went past. I said, second time, you looked at me and carried on driving. I said, so quite clear. Anyway, I said, do not argue with me. Just do what you're told to do. Just drive from it. I'm paying for this service. This isn't a free service. I'm paying for it. Anyway, it's, it's completely... And then he goes, where are we going? Uh, Charing Cross Station. I said, you don't even know where we're going. I mean, this is how thick this person was. He should be taken off the road immediately. Somebody like, stick him onto Uber, for God's sake. Because they're obviously far used to dealing with people like that. I get so angry. Why can't you find professional people? It's not like you're not paying for this. This is a serious amount of money, this job. It's worth a lot of money. Worth a lot of money. I've had them before where they disappear completely. In fact, one, you know, was so stupid, I got in the car and drove myself in. You know, I'm far more professional than they're ever going to be. Right. Anyway, having got that uh, over and done with, I hope to God we don't bump into him ever again. If it's, if it's t- At one point, I said, listen, I do not want to listen to you. Just, just be quiet, OK? Steve Allen on LBC. We have a, we have a little clip. Uh, to play for you. And uh, this is in the light of the uh, sudden and tragic death of Victoria Wood, who died yesterday at the age of 62. She kept her cancer very secret from people. She didn't tell anybody. I think just close family uh, knew about it, and close family were there at the end of her life. A great, great tragedy for British comedy. She left us with a great legacy because all of the uh, programmes she made are out on DVD and you can appreciate they've all printed because she was nice. She was very, very shy. I don't think she enjoyed doing interviews. I don't think she was very good at, at explaining exactly what it was she did. But whatever it was she did, she did it blooming well. She did it very, very well indeed. And it seemed to ring a bell with a lot of people. She harked back to better times when it was all brass bands. And uh, you didn't go out talking about your love life. So she did it in a tongue-in-cheek way. Sometimes I'm convinced she used to make herself laugh. She was very generous with the people she worked with. She gave them some of the best lines. And, of course, it uh, brought those people to prominence. And she had her stable of uh, stars that she wanted to work with. The Julie Walters, the Celia Imrys, the Duncan Prestons. The list goes on. She had about 20 or 30 people who she worked with all the time. And she was, she was just interesting. I went down with Kevin Hughes last uh, March to a studio in Soho. Uh, she was there talking about her latest DVD, and so it was with some trepidation, because I'd, I'd only ever seen her in the past. I'd been to see her shows, and I was aware of her, and I knew uh, her husband, her ex-husband, the great Suprendo. 
and I'd uh, I'd given him um, an effect that he wanted to use in his magic act. And uh, she was a lovely lady, and as I say, it came as the biggest shock to those people. Uh, Kevin was telling me earlier on that when he went to Funny Girl last night, he was telling people on the red carpet that that, uh, she died. Some of them were blissfully unaware that she had, so there were lots of tears. Uh, When we met, which was last March, we sat down in a a very nice little studio, and I remember it to this day as I remember all my interviews, and she was talking about how it all started. The very, very first thing, I did local telly um, for BBC Midlands, and then from that I transferred onto New Faces, which was shot in Birmingham at ATV. <laughs> and then I got the plum job of trying to write songs for Esther Ranson on That's Life. Yes, I can remember. I <laughs> yeah. remember. They used to have a, it, it was, I thought the programme was brilliant, but it was a great showcase for you. Yes, it great was. Showcase. It was, but I didn't really know how to sort of exploit it, so I didn't actually get any work out of it, because I didn't have an agent or anything. I was a bit hopeless. I was very hopeless. I thought I'm in the middle of work. one of your sketches at the I know. moment. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> I feel it's Pat and Margaret all over again. Because it's, uh, so in those days, you didn't. Did you know where you wanted to go? Did you no, have any I didn't. idea? I did not. And people just kept saying to me, "We don't know what to do with you because you don't fit into anything." And people say, "Well, you're too fat for this, and you're not good looking." But people were really, really patronising to me. And also, I wasn't really that good. So I don't blame people now for not being that keen. But I think you know, you have an idea of of what you might do or you have an idea of something that you want to do but it takes a few years for it to work itself out so you know you don't arrive on the planet fully fledged age 21 as a stand-up that just doesn't happen and and as as a woman as well and not as a glamorous woman, it was more difficult to yeah. find a way through. But, there was, but there was, you're right, there was nowhere for you to work, really. There, there was wasn't, nowhere. There was only there, was no work, there was the working men's clubs, which I couldn't, I couldn't have done. I'd have been stoned yes, you to death. You should have been lynched. <laughs> <laughs> and then there wasn't really anywhere else, you know. There were, there were folk clubs. I did do a few folk clubs where I died to death because I wasn't any good. Oh, <laughs> I know my sad life, oh. my sad career. I just like to have a laugh, really. That's my yeah. raison d'être. So, what were your influences then when you were when you were growing up? Who were the who were the women out there? And I'm assuming well, it was mainly women. But there were weren't not? really any women. There weren't. Really. I did see Joyce Grenfell when I was about six on yeah. stage. So I did that. That did imprint on me in a sort of yeah. image of a woman on stage on her own. But there weren't any. I was much. More, I was interested in. I read a load of books. I did more books than anything else. I watched. The, you know, I watched any comedy that was on the telly. We went to the cinema. It had to be a comedy, or I wouldn't go. So it was everything really. It all just all sinks in somewhere. Because over the years, I mean, you know, women haven't been greatly represented in the term. You know, Hilda, yeah. Hilda Baker was doing her little bits, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and that apart apart from Joyce Grenfell, who was doing. I mean, it was actually quite sort of, you know, forethinking her her comedy. It was, yeah. It was it was very clever, very clever. There still aren't there still aren't a huge numbers of women doing the circuit or or playing the big venues. There aren't a huge number. There's more than there were. You know, you've got Miranda, you've got Sarah Millican, both playing big. Yeah. Venues and of course French and Saunders have done all those things, but and Joe Brand, but still not many, not as many. Would you ever swear? Oh yeah. I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a You're bit quite of swearing. Shocked by that. Do you yeah. really? Would you go yeah, on stage and swear? Yeah. Oh right. Oh, yeah, but you have to pick your, you know, pick my moment. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd probably fall under the chair yeah, if I heard you swear. In, in Akon Antiques, you. the musical. Yeah. Um, there was a bit. Mrs. O says shut the. Up. Yeah. Which you know you used to get a shriek because it was the only one in there. So I think, you know, you've got to place them, that little hand grenades. I think if you swear all the way through, I think it's just boring. 
Oh, God, we're going to miss her. Oh, God, we're going to miss her. Victoria Wood there talking to me uh, for In Conversation. You can find that uh, whole interview on the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk. It's funny, when you listen to it, you do feel that she's, she's being the most genuine person you could ever meet. She was very, she was very gracious to everybody, it, not just me on that particular day, but to all the other people that bumped into her. But at the same time, she was incredibly shy, incredibly shy. I mean, you know, people were saying to me, are you sure she had two children? I said, yes, absolutely, she had two children. But she didn't push them into the limelight. In fact, they could walk past you on the street. You wouldn't know who they were at all. It's only because a few of the papers have printed their, their pictures today. So, I mean, such a terrible loss, you know, to lose your mum at an early age and to lose somebody that we thought we knew terribly, terribly well. It's even worse, isn't it? Because we, we feel their pain as much as they feel their pain. And so she will be much missed. But we've got the DVDs. Uh, there'll be tribute programmes to her. And everybody says, you know, what a nice person. And I can only endorse that. And you don't just say that because somebody's passed on. You know, sometimes you might go, well, thank God they've gone. But we seem to have lost too many recently. You know, it's just been one after the other, after the other, after the other. I mean, with sort of, it kicked off David Bowie. And then we went through all the people, Cliff Mitchell Moores. And then we lost, I mean, when we lost Terry Wogan, we all start thinking. And it's all within a very short space of time. We're only into April, for God's sake. The good Lord must be sitting up there going, right, let's have a look at the list. Okay, who have we got? Ronnie Corbett. Okay, we've taken that person. And now Victoria Wood. Wouldn't have been on my my list at all. I wouldn't even have thought about it. Seriously, I've thought of other people, as we all have, who've who've had ill health recently. And those would be the the people you'd be thinking, well, perhaps you you would be uh, the next one to go. But not, not Victoria Wood. She always looked like she was terribly, terribly healthy. But it only goes to prove we have no idea what goes on underneath the surface of the skin. But uh, go to the LBC website and uh, and check out that um, that lovely interview that we did with her, which is uh, just over a year ago now, just over a year ago. It was repeated at Christmas because we thought it was such a nice interview that we put it out at Christmas as part of LBC's Christmas in Conversation treat. Those are all the highlights I've got time for for this morning. And don't forget, I'm here from five tomorrow morning and I'm here with your 4am spike all next week too.